Hello, everyone. Welcome to another new episode of the Focus Point Podcast. I'm glad you decided to give this a listen. I hope you'll consider checking out our website, thepointoffocus.com, for some more information, blog posts, videos, and podcast episodes. And also, I hope you'll consider sharing this with your family and your friends. I hope that these words encourage you and bless you. And let's get into episode five of The Last Night with Jesus. We've been in this series, and we're going through John 13 through 17, and we are just looking at this last night that Jesus had with his disciples, and this conversation that they had, and this teaching of Jesus that I consider to be some of his best teachings, because they're his last few words that he had to say to his disciples, and to us, really. I mean, these are some of the last solid teachings of Jesus other than a few times when he pops up in some of the New Testament books in visions or whatever, even in later on in John after he raises from the dead and the conversation that they have on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, that's still this moment is his last earthly moment, the last earthly part of his ministry and we're spending time just kind of going through these this moment so as I said at the end of last episode I kind of want to um, put it back up here again to start this episode I want to look at John 14 31 where he says come let's be going and it's the very last words of John 14. And the reason why I want to look at it is because this little phrase has caused some conversations and debate over what exactly it means. Some scholars have believed that this phrase means John 13 and 14 took place around the table in the upper room, the Last Supper, and then Jesus began to walk to the Garden of Gethsemane and John 15 through 17. So the conversation and teaching that they have there in John 15 and 16, and then the prayer in John 17 took place on that walk. Then there are some scholars and um, other, other beliefs that the disciples got up, hung around, didn't really want to leave. They were still kind of focused on what Jesus had been teaching or saying, and they didn't leave right away. So Jesus continued teaching, and the conversation continued there in the upper room. And then the other possibility is that some believe that John expounded on his Jesus teaching in John 13 and 14, in John 15 and 16. So it's it's like kind of an expanded look at what Jesus had already been teaching, which is why there's some repetition there. And that John 14, 31 was the end of Jesus' teaching, and that John 15, 16 took place as kind of like John's own words, and then the prayer and John 18, you know, kind of takes place. So... I say all of that not to um, bash anybody's thoughts or anything. I mean, no one was there, so we don't really know, right? I mean, we can tell by different pieces and parts of the scripture that um, 
It is possible that they stayed in the upper room. It is possible that they left. Uh, so I say all of that to be clear on the different possibilities, as you might do research on your own. Uh, the links to this, the information that I shared will be in the description of this episode. But for this series, okay, I'm going to, since we're going through the conversation step by step, word, you know, phrase by phrase, word, all of that stuff. We're going to look at this text as Jesus saying, come, let's be going. And they left and they went on a walk. Because there are sources still that say, well, why would John have included these words if they stayed? So it's there, there's evidence around where more, more is led to the fact that Jesus and the disciples left as a greater possibility than them staying and hanging out because I don't think, like they'd think, John wouldn't have said, Jesus said, come, let's be going, if they didn't leave. So um, that's kind of where we are. So we're going to be looking at John 15 and 16 now, and we're going to be looking at them as they were on the walk to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, the, the, the upper room scene is done. We transition now into the walk as they're going to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is going to do his prayer, where he has some conversations with the Father, the, the infamous scene where Jesus goes back and forth three different times to pray and finds the disciples sleeping when he comes back and all of that. Like, this is where we're going. Um, so... But that is not accounted in John. We're just going to see his prayer. And I'm excited for that one as we're going to spend one episode just looking at his prayer in a couple weeks. So I'm excited for that, looking at John 17. So in this next part of the conversation, we see Jesus speak of two sources for us to remain in. And we see the seventh I am statement. Okay. The first I am state, first of all, the I am statements are something that John, and these will be in the description too, that John said, that Jesus says about himself and John records them. So we've got seven of them. We've seen um, one of them in this series in John 14, 14, 6, where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But the other ones are, I am the bread of life in John 6, 35. I am the light of the world in John 8, 12. I am the gate, John 10, 7. I am the good shepherd, John 10, 11. I am the resurrection in the life, John eleven twenty five. after he's risen or just before he raises Lazarus from the dead. And then I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. And then this one, I am the true vine. So let's read John 15, 1 through 5 here. It, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. So remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You, can be, you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches." Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this passage is about connection. 
Jesus says that he is the vine, and we, the disciples, and you and me, are the branches, and that we are connected to the vine. Jesus is also restating his connection with the Father to show the same connection that we have with Jesus. Jesus said that he cannot do anything without the Father. And Jesus is telling us to remain in him so that we can do the greater works that he has for us in John 14, 12, that he talks about in the last chapter that we looked at. Jesus uses this wonderful illustration of the vine and the branches so the disciples and we would understand. Something that we would get. When you think of this illustration, it's easy to see what Jesus is meaning and see what he's trying to picture here for us. The illustration Jesus uses can be translated to any plant of any kind. For example, I typically sometimes use a tree because sometimes, you know, we're not really around a vineyard and vine and the branches are a little bit kind of, but we do know trees and we see them all the time. And we do know that trees have branches and when a branch gets severed from the tree, the source, that tr that tree branch begins to die. Now, also, too, tree branches inevitably just die. I've got a tree in my front yard that's just kind of slowly dying. But typically, when a branch is cut off from the tree, it dies. The leaves start to wilt, and they start to dry up, and they start to um, die. So, the same is true for the branches of a grapevine or a tomato plant. Like, if it's cut away from the source, basically being the ground, it's going to, the, I mean, the, the nutrients and stuff in the ground and the roots and it comes up the, the, the vine, it comes up the plant and into the branches and it, that's how it produces fruit. So, if the tomato plant is broken or severed or whatever, it's not, those tomatoes aren't going to flourish. They're not going to grow. So if a branch is not connected to the source of the vine, then the branch does not produce fruit. It doesn't produce tomatoes. It doesn't produce leaves. It doesn't produce all of that. So Jesus also talks about how the branches don't bear fruit, even though they are connected to the vine. And he describes how those are taken care of. If we read verse two, it seems that they are just hacked off. This is, of course, one way to look at our own life. If we have branches in our life that aren't bearing fruit, maybe it's time to cut those loose. Different relationships, a habit, so on, just like life overall, they're not helping. So we can cut those things off to, to have life and have it to the full, as, John, as Jesus describes in John 10.10. 10. But after doing some, some research and some looking for this series, I found another way. And I saw that this is one way that God takes care of us. If there is a branch that isn't bearing fruit, he, he lifts it up. So it's not that it just gets hacked off. like Because in verse 2, it says that um, he cuts off every branch. But after doing more research, I see that this is him maybe not cutting it off but kind of like lifting it up and it receives more sunlight and it can have the opportunity to bear fruit. This shows us that the father wants to encourage fruit production. He wants us 
to bear fruit. So he's going to try and get us, shed some light on the things that aren't producing fruit. So maybe that they can, or maybe that, like I said, we can get rid of. And they just need a little bit of attention. One of the last things Jesus mentions about the branches is that we need pruning. When a branch is pruned, the gardener will keep it clean and neat for maximum fruit production. Jesus once again is showing how we can prune areas of our life that aren't producing fruit, that are producing fruit, so they can be more fruitful. And once again, that kind of goes back to maybe taking out the things, that the habit, the relationship, the whatever, that isn't helping us produce fruit, so we can produce more. This way we can bear much fruit, as John 15, 5 says. And it brings great joy to the Father when we produce fruit, in John um, 15, 8. So, we've, we've, we've looked at this remaining source, and it's to remain in Jesus. That is this remaining source, because apart from him, we can do nothing. And that's kind of Jesus saying, without the Father's help, without God's help, Jesus could do nothing. And without Jesus' help, we can do nothing. So it's this snowball connection that Jesus is trying to illustrate here. Then Jesus moves on to the second source that we are to remain in. I have loved you, John, sorry, John 15, 9 through 10 says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Jesus once again reminds us, once again us is the disciples and us included, uh, I'm trying to find a kind of a different way of saying that that doesn't always result in me saying it for the disciples and then saying it for us. We kind of just blend it together because Jesus is talking to all of us. So he, he reminds us once again of how he has loved us as the Father loved him in John 13, 1. Jesus also tells us to remain in his love. We can do this by obeying his commandments. Once again, Jesus is calling back to the commandments that he had just given them. The commandment of serving others in John 13, 1-17 when he washed their feet. The commandment of putting their faith and trust in Jesus as we saw last week in John 14, 1 and 2. And the commandment to show each other love. To love each other in John 13, 34. Jesus also, like I said, showed them by washing their feet. He showed love by washing their feet and being a servant and having a servant's heart. When Jesus says this too, and in different ways, recorded in a different way in Matthew's gospel, when he pretty much sums it up and love God and love others. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says all the commandments hang on these two things, loving God and loving others. And we see that in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40. But Jesus here, once again, rephrases it, and it says in John 15, 12, one, uh, sorry, 12 through 13, This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus adds something here when he talks about laying one's life down for his friends. Jesus is obviously foreshadowing and talking about how he's going to lay his life down for his friends, in just a few short hours. He's talking about his crucifixion. He's talking about what's going to happen to him. Because in John 13, 1, we found out on this night already, as this night began, that Jesus already knew what was going to happen to him. 
He's talking about those guys right there that he would lay down his life for his friends. Those 11 that are standing there with him. And Jesus called them friends. It's important to understand that. It's important to see that Jesus called them friends. Because the relationship between Jesus and his disciples would not have necessarily been friendship. Okay, it's that it wasn't looked at that way. So in John 14, 15, John 15, 14 and 15, Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. But you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father has told me. Jesus, once again there, says because he's confiding in them. And that's true. You know, back then they didn't confide in their slaves. And they had slaves. I know that's a a tough spot. But back then, cultural, they had slaves. They had servants. They had people that washed their feet. The people that got, you cleaned their house. Like, all of that kind of stuff. And I know slaves is a, a hard word. But this is what, you know, but the, 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 the masters of those servants did not, like, tell them the business of the house. Did not tell them these big, deep, like, didn't sit down and say, you know, I'm having trouble with my wife. You know, I'm just like, I, I need some advice and all of that stuff. They, did, they didn't do that kind of stuff. Jesus wouldn't have really done it either because his disciples, he, he, he called them. So this was kind of like a master-servant kind of relationship. Um, I mean, the disciples even referred to Jesus as master. So um, Jesus is confiding in them, though, in these last hours. So it puts them in a different category with Jesus. So Jesus is the greatest friend to us all. He showed us his great friendship by dying on the cross for us. I don't know about you, but I've never had a friend die for me. I've never had a friend that I don't think I have a friend that would be willing to, like, die for me. Like Jesus did. It's a tough thing. I, I don't know if they would. But you, you get what I'm saying. Other than Jesus. Jesus died for me. Jesus is the greatest friend we could ever have. Jesus loved us with the greatest love anyone could ever show. And Jesus encourages us in John fifteen seventeen to love each other. To love each other again. He's saying it. Love each other. This is how you show me. By being a servant. By being helpful. By just showing love and compassion when people don't deserve it. Because after all, that's what Jesus did. He took it all the way to the cross. He said in, in John 13... I loved you until the very end. One final thing that Jesus says. Uh, I'm sorry, hold on. So this laying down your life, it looks different. It can be translated differently. It can mean that we have a servant's heart. Like I said, we care and we give our time and attention to others. We love others. That's what this laying down life could mean. One final thing Jesus says here is a reminder to us. Once again to them too, but more to us. He says, John 15 and 16. You did not choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. We are chosen. 
Jesus has chosen us just as we are. He chose those disciples just as they were. Knowing everything about them. Knowing their ups and downs. Knowing what was going to happen to him. Knowing what their response was going to be to it. Everything. Jesus chose them. And he chose us. But he didn't choose us. Okay. Just so we would feel chosen. It's an awesome feeling to be chosen and to know that Jesus chose us. I mean, can you imagine being pulled out of your text collector booth like Matthew and Jesus chose me? A lot of times when Jesus chose someone, when he chose the woman at the well, when he chose Zacchaeus, they ran with joy. To relay the message that they were chosen by Jesus. Don't get me wrong, it's an awesome feeling. But we were chosen to produce fruit. We weren't just chosen. We were chosen to produce fruit. We were chosen to love others. We were chosen to help people see Jesus. That's what we were chosen for. So let's let, let's review this portion of John 15. We see two sources that we are to remain in, and that's to remain in Jesus, the vine, and to remain in Jesus' love. We see how Jesus is the greatest friend of all, and how much Jesus loves us, and how we should love each other. Finally, once again, we see that Jesus has chosen us, just as we are. So the overall encouragement I believe Jesus is showing us here is to remain in him. We can do nothing without Jesus. Much like Jesus couldn't do anything without God the Father. We do our best work when we are connected to the true vine. When we are walking with Jesus, when we are connected to him. Because that's how Jesus did a lot how Jesus did a lot of his stuff. He said he can't do anything without the Father. The words that he spoke were not the Father. The things that he did were not without the Father. Jesus healed people, Jesus helped people, Jesus encouraged people, Jesus spoke to people, Jesus transformed people with the help of the Father. So, one final thing is to remain in the vine. When we remain in the vine, we can produce much fruit that will bring joy to the Father. I hope that These words encourage you. I hope that they bless you. And I hope that you'll continue on in the series with us as we continue to track this last conversation that Jesus had with his disciples, this last night with Jesus. As it's leading us up into Easter, um, I'm excited for for what's to come. So I hope you'll come back and you'll check out uh, the rest of the series. If you haven't listened to some of the other episodes yet, I encourage you to go back and check out those as well. So once again, remember to remain in the vine so we can produce much fruit.